Good morning. My name is John Holter. I'm lead pastor here at Northern Hills, and I am so excited to be with you guys today. Um, if you are a guest with us today, if this is your first time, special welcome to you, whether you're here in person or you're online. And I want to let you know you came on the perfect Sunday. So the reality is I probably say that every Sunday because I think it's always a good day to come to church and to come for the very first time. But the reality is I, I say that for a different reason because we're starting a brand new series today. And not only are we starting a brand new series today, but our series that we're diving into is a series on the mission that God has given Northern Hills Church. And I think it's always good for us to, to come back and to, to revisit this every once in a while. One is that we usually have a lot of people that have come since the last time we've done it. It's always good to, to kind of center things around and, and let them know, hey, this is who we are. Because we believe that the church, the capital C church, has a mission. And we believe that each unique individual church is a part of that mission. But they, we take things um, and we go after things maybe a little bit more uniquely than some other places. So it's important for us to find a place as a, a church goer that we can get plugged into and be part of. So I think it's always good for us to be able to do that. And for those of us that have been around for a little while, it's also good for us to revisit that. Um, I'm sure you've heard that term vision leaks, and I think it's one of those things that, that as, as we get part of a church for a little while, sometimes we, we lose kind of what that whole purpose is. What's that whole vision and mission of that church? So that's what we're going to dive in today, because here's the reality. So we've been through a time where the world has changed. And there's a lot of things that have changed over the last couple of years. And, and the reality is, though, through all of it, our God has not changed, and our mission has not changed. And I love that because knowing that despite the things that are going on around us, yeah, things may look a little different in how we do things, but what we do and why we do it, it has not changed. And that's what I love because the reality is that our mission is still valid today, and it has the power to change lives. Even through a really tough year or two, we've seen God at, at work, at God moving. So our mission statement, you heard Brandon mention it at the very, very beginning, is to help people encounter the real love of Jesus, discover their real purpose, and become bold agents of real change. We like to say it this way as well. We, we believe that when we look at it, that real love plus real purpose leads to real change. And we've got this depiction of this logo here um, that we have that really is a great way to be able to just put it really simply. You have the real love, which is the heart, the arrow, which is our purpose, and then the whole idea is that it leads to change. And I look at that, sometimes you see those symbols, and it reminds me of, of Prince, right? Because didn't Prince like change his name to a symbol once? But then you had to always refer to him as the artist formerly known as Prince. So I don't know if that really served any purpose at all or not, but, but maybe it did. We're not changing our name. We're not changing our name. We're not changing our mission either. But this is something I think is just a great way to visually look at what does it look like? What is our, what's, what's our mission here at the church? And we often refer to these as the reals, real love, real purpose, real change. So you'll hear us mention every once in a while, hey, we, we're talking about the reels and what that looks like. So over the next three weeks, we're going to actually dive in to these reels. We're going to dive in a little bit deeper into real love and what that means. We're going to dive into real purpose and say, hey, what does that really look like and how we live out our lives? And then we're going to dive in the final week into this whole idea of real change and what it really means to impact our world and our community and our families and beyond. But for the rest of the time today, I want to kind of set the stage 
for the next three weeks. I want to kind of lay a foundational piece that I think that, that we're, and to do that, we're going to actually look at a prayer that Jesus, that we're, and to do that, we're going to actually, Jesus prayed right before he was arrested and taken to the cross and ultimately crucified. Before we get to this prayer, I think we need to recognize something from the very beginning. We have an enemy. We have one enemy, and that enemy is Satan. And since the beginning of time, Satan's goal, his main goal, has been to divide us, to separate us, to cause division. Even if we look all the way back to the Garden of Eden, that was what his purpose was. He came into a place of the Garden of Eden, which was all about oneness and and togetherness and all of that. He came and he separated Adam and Eve from God. He separated them. And not only did that he actually separated Adam and Eve themselves as well. And throughout this, things we see that Satan, the prince of darkness, the father of lies, the great, great, great deceiver, his goal is to divide us. His goal is to divide us. John 10.10 says it this way, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. See, he wants to steal our unity. Satan wants to destroy and kill our churches, and he wants to destroy the witness that we have as a church to the world and beyond. See, this prayer of Jesus, we see him address this idea because, see, Jesus' desire is opposite. Jesus' desire for us is oneness. His desire for us is all about oneness. The scripture that we're going to spend time today is in John chapter 17. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to that. If you, you need a Bible, you're here. There's some on the back tables. And if you're online, let us know. And we would love to be able to send one off to you as well. But if you get your phones, you can pull them out there and pull up the Bible app. It's a great way to be able to follow along as well. And in John 17, this, this prayer is known as the farewell prayer. See, Jesus, just in 15 and 16, chapters 15 and 16, Jesus just finished telling the disciples that he was going to be leaving them and that he was giving them instructions on what they were to do to carry out what he had had started. And then in John 17, Jesus prays to God. And this prayer is broken into three different parts. In the first part, verses 1 through 5, he prays for himself. He prays that he would be glorified. And not glorified for his own sake, but glorified for the sake of God, to give God all the credit. And then in the second part, he moves on in verses 6 through 19, and he prays for the disciples. He prays that the disciples would carry on their works, that he had trained them and he had spent some time with them. And then he moves finally in verse 20. He changed the subject of the prayer once again. And, And this is the text that I want to dive into and examine the central thought of, of really where is he going with this. Let me just read through it, and then we're going to spend some time um, dissecting it a little bit more. John 17, starting at verse 20. It says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. May they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them glory that you gave me so that they may be one as we are one, and I'm in them as you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. All right, there's a lot in there, so let's take some time. Let's break that down a little bit. Let's start, let's look first at verse 20. It says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Right away, right right away, Jesus moves from praying for his disciples to praying for who? Who do he pray for? He prayed for us. He prayed for you. 
and for me. And he says, not only am I praying for the disciples who I've spent all this time here with, I'm, I'm also moving beyond that. I'm praying for all who will ever believe in me through the message of what the disciples are going to bring out. And I, I don't know about you, but I think this is pretty awesome. Jesus, while he was walking around on earth, fully God and fully man, knowing his time on earth was about to end, he prayed not only for the disciples as he had in, in the previous verses, but he, he moved on to that and he says, now I'm going to pray for all who comes afterwards. He prays for you and for me. And that might not seem like a big deal on the surface, but the more I, I think about it, the more I'm blown away by it. Jesus, the Son of God, he prayed for you and for me. And so it's like looking into this, well, what did he pray for? for in this farewell prayer, well, let's look a little bit deeper. He says, I, he goes, he goes I, in verse 21, he says, I pray that they will all be one. Let's stop there for just a second. I'll pray that they will all be one. Jesus, his focus of this prayer was all about this idea of oneness, of having unity among us. That we would all be one. And not only did he pray that, he prayed that actually a little bit earlier in, when he's praying for the disciples, that they would be one. And you can understand that because he was talking to them, saying, hey, as you guys go, take this word out, to, that you are, are together, that you are in one message together, one voice together. But he prayed for you and me. He prayed that we would also display that oneness and unity because he knew the plot of the enemy. Jesus knew what the enemy was all about. He knew that Satan would try to divide us to try to separate us. So he prayed for oneness. And then he goes on and gives an example of what that oneness should, be, should look like. Just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. In this moment, Jesus is talking about the unity of God the Father and God the Son, the oneness of God, the oneness displayed through the Father and the Son. So this, this isn't about uniformity. This isn't Jesus saying, hey, you all have to look alike or do the same thing. But he's saying that each unique part, even in your uniqueness, you're grounded in the oneness that is provided for us through Jesus. And he, then he goes on and gives us the reason at the end of this verse why this is so important. He says, and, the, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. So the world would believe that you sent me. Our unity, or maybe even better said this way, our disunity, it has consequences. And all those consequences are that people that see us, that, that, that want to come alive, if they, if they don't see unity, they will not see Christ. They will not believe who Jesus is. And think about that. That's significant consequences. There's a, a lot riding on the oneness that we display to the world. And it absolutely amazes me how we've become a nation that's been even more divided than ever before. I think over the last couple of years, we've seen that, haven't we? We've seen it between Republicans and Democrats. It's been there, but man, it's got fierce. That division has, has, has divided. And even sometimes in, within own political parties, there's been a huge division amongst things. We look at what COVID has done and all the division that's it's created there as well. We look at all of those things and their significant 
things in our world that continue to separate us and divide us that have been racially things, social things, um, just interactions, and even down into biblical things. But this has happened over years and years and decades and decades and hundreds of years. If you look back at the church and you look back at how things have changed and how things have gone along, you can see the evidence of the enemy continually trying to divide us. Trying to separate us on things like, like, oh, like what translation of the Bible are, is this church using? And, and dividing things so much between those two things that you're like, that, that not, even, not even worth fighting about. Why are we doing this? Why are we dividing ourselves? It happened a while back when this was the movement to having contemporary music and having a guitar, an electric guitar, and drums on stage. It separated some people and it divided us unbelievably. It's okay for us to have preferences. It's okay for us to think differently in the midst of it. But the challenge is when they divide us, when they take away the core of what we are called to be as one in Christ, that's when, when that displays to the world that way, that's where we run into trouble. My prayer is that despite our differences, that there'll be more that unites us than separates us. And I was reminded by this when I was talking to a pastor friend of mine who said he gathers some of the new people together and as they, they get together to kind of talk about the church and what the church is about and all of these different things, he, t- he tells them at the very end, he said, if you agree with about 70% of what we do, count yourself fortunate. Because the reality is that there's such a diversity here and in his church and here and in our church as well on difference of thoughts and how we see things that the reality is that we're not going to all agree on 100% of everything that goes on. But I want you to know that our heart here is to do the best, to try to do the right thing, but we don't always get it right. I know that I'm human. I make mistakes. And I know our team makes mistakes. But man, I want you to know that our church is all about the reals. It's all about being real and knowing that, man, sometimes when we do those things that, that aren't right, then we need to own up for those things. But that we seek God desperately. We seek him desperately for what he wants us to be and who he wants us to be as a church. Let's continue on verse 22. It says that I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. And the glory that Jesus gives you and me, it's not self-glory. It's not vanity but it's the glory that Jesus showed us by serving others and ultimately giving his life so that we could be one with the Father. But sometimes we get off track. Sometimes we start doing things for our own glory instead of God's glory. But here's the deal. When there's a sense of giving glory to God, when we point to God being the object of our praise, then oneness is so much easier to find. And I think Jesus knew that. That's why he's pointing us to this oneness. And he's saying, man, when you point to give glory to me on what's happening, I'll bring you the oneness. And then we move to the very last part of the verse that we're covering today. In 23, it says, Jesus prays, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know you sent me. There's that section again about the world being able to see that. And that you love them as much as you love me. This unity that Jesus refers to, this perfect unity, it's all grounded in God's love. It's all grounded in God's love. If we, the people of God, if we live in oneness together, then the people around us will get just a little bit of a glimpse 
of God. A glimpse of the love of God, the real love of Jesus. And that's absolutely awesome. Because throughout this prayer, Jesus, his whole prayer is about oneness. And the people of God would be on mission together. They would have oneness in their mission together in that we pray and worship and serve together as the body of Christ as one. Not doing our own little thing, but doing our thing that we have, what God's designed us to as a body, with, as one body with many different parts. <clears throat> I was thinking about it this weekend, and, and um, it's, it's football time, right? I mean, it's football season started. And I don't know if you're football fans or not, but um, unfortunately, you have to deal with me because I am a little bit. I'd, and especially the beginning of the year. And Thursday night, I watched the NFL game right away, and then went on this weekend and watched some, some football yesterday um, and some college games, and I'll be watching it a little bit later today. But as I was thinking about it, and even the message that I have and was putting together here, that, that, that really a football team has a pretty good description and showing kind of what it means to have oneness. See, there's unique roles in, in the offense. Look at an offense. You have your linemen that have different roles. You have your, your quarterback and your wide receivers and your running backs. They all have a different role. There's a uniqueness in each person in what they're given and what they're supposed to carry out to take the, to, to, score, to score points, right? So they're all, their goal as one is to get into the end zone and score a touchdown or at least get into field goal range. While defense, again, they have a oneness of their, their whole oneness is all about stopping the other team from scoring. But each, again, lineman, defensive back, cornerback, safety, all of them have a different role to play. As the holes of the defense and offense together, they come together with the idea, the purpose, the oneness, the goal of all of what they're trying to do is to win the game. As followers of Jesus, we are on the same team. Jesus, we are on. Even though our roles may differ, we all have a uniqueness. We each all have a role to play in the bigger picture. And some of that can be even how we serve here within the church. There's, there's opportunities always to serve. Thinking about even our children's ministry, down, down the hallway, our foundry. Being able to step in, and I know some of you are doing that, man, but there's also more opportunities to step into, maybe even just hold a baby. Hold a baby so the parents can come to service, be undistracted, be able to worship God, and be able to listen to the God's word, and be able to grow in their relationship with him. It's a great sacrifice. It's a great role to play to impact the body of Christ. Maybe it's to help Brandon out as he gets started in, in, in launching our, our student ministry again. There's so many students that, that may just need someone that can just be there to, to step in a gap, to, to serve a role, to impact their lives. They need to know that their identity is safe and secure in Jesus, and they need people that can step in and do those things. I think about our awesome team that we have surrounding here in our worship and our tech teams, about the different roles that they play on a weekly basis to serve, to, to lift God's word up to you guys, to be able to, to have us to give God glory together as a body of believers. And I want you to know that there are some gaps, and those gaps are perfectly designed for you. Maybe it's in the area of being a musician. Maybe you are a gifted musician and you, man, you just haven't stepped in because you're like, oh, they're, they're all okay up there. I want you to know that there's opportunities and God has a place for you. 
here to be able to serve. Maybe it's on our tech team and, and running a camera, or if you've got experience with sound, all kinds of different things that we can do. Even from a worship arts perspective, there's a role for you. And God's just waiting for you to step into it and fill it. You don't have to have all the answers for any of these things. You don't have to know exactly how to do everything because we'll train you and be part of that. But that's the whole idea for us to step in to those things and show the body of Christ when it has all of its part, it functions like it's supposed to. I know that they're going to be doing um, some worship arts auditions on, on September 26th. So if you want to sign up for even some of those things, Jess is going to be in the back and love to be able to talk to you about the details of what that is. But the reality is that all of the things that we have going on inside here, there's, there's roles, there's, there's opportunities for you to be not a spectator watching the game, but down on the field, ready to score for the kingdom. And that scoring looks like helping people find their way back to him. Whatever it is, encourage you to be part of what God's doing. And if Northern Hills isn't your church home, if you're watching online and you have another place to be part of, man, I encourage you, wherever that is, find that place. Because this is not just a Northern Hills thing. This is a capital C church. This is a kingdom thing that we can be people that reflect Jesus to our world. And our world is a hurting place. It's divided, but as followers of Jesus, our, our number one job is to bring forward oneness. See, we've had all of these things that have happened over the years. Things that have divided us, things that have been brought conflict. It's bring, bringing conflict into our workplace, bringing conflict into our families. But if, as followers of Christ, we're called to something greater to a oneness that is complete harmony, a unity that's filled with love and joy. And to have the oneness that Jesus is praying for here requires having God's heart. It takes us to love each other well, to be unselfish, to be submissive, and to be humble. This is what Jesus prayed for. It's our prayer here at Northern Hills, that as a church, we would display the oneness that God's called us to. And through that oneness and through that connection, through that unity, that the world would be able to, maybe somebody around would just catch a glimpse of, who, of what it means to love Jesus, what it means to encounter the real love of Jesus, to discover their real purpose and become bold agents of real change. That's who God's called us to be. And we want to set that stage and lay that foundation so as we step into those things, it's all about us taking a step forward and playing our role. And maybe for you, maybe you've come here today or maybe you're online and you've never yet given your life to Christ. I want you to know that the whole idea of what we do and why we do what we do is to bring us back in unity with Jesus. See, Satan came and he separated us from God. He created this massive chasm that we had no way to cross. And the only way we were able to do that is through what Jesus did for you and for me. That he came down to the earth as a human, walked in human form, dealt with the challenges that divide us. He was tempted by Satan himself, but he overcame all of that. He died for our sins and he rose again three days later. And he did that. And because of that, we can be 
together in oneness with the Father. And that is the good news. If you've not yet accepted Christ, I want to encourage you to do that today. To do that today. And if you are a follower of Jesus, my encouragement to all of us is to find what our role is. To understand how God has made us. And we're going to be diving into those things across the weeks. But it's understanding who God has called you to be and what part he wants you to play in the body of Christ. Do you do that? All right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for anyone here today who's not yet given their life to you. Father, I pray most of all that they would just be able to open their hands and come to that spot of going, man, Lord, I need you. And man, if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer. Lord, I know I've fallen short. I know that what you've done for me was to was to be able to, to, to sacrifice yourself for the forgiveness of my sins. That although I fall short, you have created a bridge across the gap, the divide that separated me from the Father. And Jesus, I want to ask you to come into my life. Holy Spirit, fill me with your presence. And if you do that, the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And Father, I just pray that as a church, that as we go about our days, as we live our life out in this world, that you allow us to be united as one with you and that we do a good job of reflecting the real love of Jesus to those around us. Father, we know that this is a work in progress. We know that we will fail. Continue to grow us more into the people that you want us to be, the followers that you want us to be. We pray this all in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. If you'd like to get involved here at Northern Hills, check out our website at inhills.org or download the Northern Hills app. We hope to see you again soon.